What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Tuesday, January 22nd. We are one day closer to the Super Bowl, which means we are still a long way from the Super Bowl, but we will be coming to you daily with podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL show. I'm joined for the second day in a row by John Breach. What's up, John? Joined for the second day in a row by John Breach, who is still in New Orleans. Brinson, I don't think I'm going to leave. I'm, can I just live here? Is that possible? Do you think anybody's going to care? Do you think that, well, your wife will care? Did she, was she like, oh, yeah. does, does she, there's no way she listened to this podcast. So I feel like we can get away with this. Does she, <laughs> does she think you're there like staying, staying an extra night for work? Or is she like, ah, go have fun, John. You know, it's, you've been like basically ignoring me for six months. Go have fun an extra night in New Orleans. What's the deal there? Uh, no, she knows Monday night, Bourbon Street night. She had, so she knew I had never been to New Orleans. This uh, trip right, for this right. NFC title game was my first trip ever. And she's like, her jaw dropped. She's like, you've never been to New Orleans. She was, I think at that point it hit in her head that I might not survive the trip because it's like, <laughs> uh, your 21st birthday, you go out, all of a sudden you can buy all the drinks you want and people are just throwing them in front of you. That is your first trip to Bourbon Street. So you weren't at CBS for the Harbaugh Bowl? I, I mean, like, uh, at this point, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't remember who was where, but I mean, I was thinking you were with us in the, oh no, that's I, right, because you were doing the live blog remotely when the power went out. That's right. We talked, we talked about this last night. We might have. At any rate, um, I was suggesting you go to Giacomo's. I told you to go. To, did you go to Koshan Butcher? Probably not. I'm going to eat dinner there tonight. Oh, no. Do they do dinner there? Uh, maybe. I hope so. <laughs> There's two restaurants. Be careful. Koshan is the restaurant. Koshan Butcher is the sandwich shop. Um, Koshan is like a fancy dinner place. I recommend Giacomo's. We'll see what you do. We'll get a full uh, replay on that. What is the mood? But we're going to talk about the more fallout. And first of all, look, I want to apologize to podcast listeners because we got multiple tweets um, Monday's show was not our best show. You know, I, I didn't, I don't, <laughs> look, I do this show daily, Monday through Friday. I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna, I, I mean, I work, I work pretty hard. Like, I care about the show passionately. I want the show to be really good. I want people to enjoy it every single day. I don't, um, I don't, ever, like, you know, I mean, most of the times, so, like, I get done with it. I'm like, that was a good show, but I, I don't think I'm ever like, that show might have sucked. And so if Monday show wasn't your cup of tea and me and Sean and Ryan screaming, I apologize. Breach and I, we, we've kicked Sean off. He's banned from the podcast forever. He doesn't know it. I haven't told him yet, but he's banned. Um, we're going to break down some of the fallout from the Saints-Rams game that you've seen in New Orleans and then talk a little bit more about Chiefs, Patriots, and maybe some of the bigger issues. And then we'll talk about the craziest things that happened over the week because we got a lot of time to kill, John, until, um, until, the old, uh, until the old Super Bowl gets here. By the way, I'm told. And I hope, it all, I hope I'm not wrong here, but I, I'm told that there's going to be pick six video show 12 to 1 every day at the Super Bowl live from Radio Row. So make sure and get your CBS Sports HQ set up. You can go to cbssports.com slash live if you want to watch on your desktop or laptop. Or you can just get Roku, Apple TV, PlayStation, Xbox, whatever your system is. You can get it. It's free 24-7. If you support the podcast, please watch this show at Super Bowl. I'll have more information, but it'll be live from Radio Row. And we will have our normal podcast that we release each day. So that's exciting. Anyway. But please check out CBS Sports HQ. At any rate, John. Um, so the Rams and the Saints played, and as we know, the Saints got screwed by the refs. And then this crazy—you and I were chatting about this—this this crazy rule in the rule book, the NFL rule book that was dug up by Mike Florio, who like I, lo- I, I like Florio because he will he will stir the pot. But he's also like he's a lawyer and he knows how to dig into rule books and and complaints and all that stuff and find nuggets that might be interesting. And he found this one and I, I'd seen it before, but I'd never even really thought about it. And it, it doesn't seem like anything that would ever happen. But Roger Goodell, under this rule, has the authority, if he wanted, to name the Saints NFC champions and have them go play the Patriots in the Super Bowl, right? Well, here's the thing with Florio is I swear that dude has the entire rule book memorized. And the rule book is like 5,000 pages. It is not possible for anyone to memorize it, but I'm pretty convinced Florio does because anytime there's any sort of weird event, he's either tweeting about uh, obscure rule A, section two, 
byline one of a rule or he is writing a story about it. But this was a clutch pickup. It's not a rule that anyone else, I think, realized at the time. And basically, if there is an extraordinarily unfair circumstance, Roger Goodell has the power to either rule the other team the winner, to have the game replayed, or start the game over from where the circumstance took place. And obviously, there is about uh, 0.0001% chance that this would ever happen. But the fact that he has the power and he could do something about this, it's kind of crazy. And if I were Roger Goodell, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely nuts. And if I were Roger Goodell, I would give this, I would call a press conference Tuesday and I would say, you know what, guys, Saints got screwed. The New Orleans nightmare, as Brinson is calling it, the Saints got screwed. We are going to replay this game starting at the 145 mark. The Rams have one timeout. The Saints have first and goal. Let's do it. Let's put it on NFL Network, and then, boom, that thing's going to get, like, 75 million viewers. And uh, what do you think about that plan? So you're saying go back out and start it over from the from the pass interference penalty? Be like, yes. unfortunately, what happened in the overtime doesn't count. Um, Drew Brees, you buried yourself in a bottle of Jack Daniels. Get out of here. You got to get back in the field and take three knees. And then Will Lutz is going to try a 28 yard field goal with like, and like all these Saints fans have to like stumble, get like take off work and go back. I, I like it. It sounds great. Or what about, what about if Indomitian Sue has to go out there and attempt a 57 yard field goal? If he makes it, the Rams go to the, like, like that's the thing. Goodell can do whatever he wants. And I think that's what, is I, I to me, John, I, I believe the ruling and I wrote a story about it and you and I were talking about this, like I was I was stunned at like the traffic. It took off like a rocket ship. And like I like a, like you don't ever see it. I mean it just like it was just getting like clicked on like crazy, which is all I mean it's awesome. We love the clicks, but it shows you that people are legitimately worked up about this and want a, like a legitimate solution. Um I think that what this rule is designed to do is basically if for some reason, like the mob managed to infiltrate a football team or the refs, or there's like a black sock situation where the, a game was compromised because of, uh, like point shaving or something, then Goodell could step in and make a change. Or, I mean, like, doesn't that seem like what it's basically a fail safe for if the worst possible scenario happens, they can fix it. And you would, I don't think that this rises to that level, even though if you're a Saints fan, I understand why. I mean, what, how many, how many people signed the, the latest petition to get, to have the, to have the game overturned? And that's the crazy thing. This petition, when I read it for the first time today, it had 200,000 signatures. When I checked again, four hours later, it was up to 330,000. So these petitions never blow up like that. When we wrote about even the the one where the Rams wanted Bill Benovich taken off the game, ironically, that Rams fans started that and then ended up benefiting. But even that petition only got up to 8,000. I would say when we write about petitions, they usually have between five and 10,000 signatures. So enough that it's worth writing about, but not enough that it's ever going to mean anything. But this one has over 300,000 thousands so Saints fans are pretty perturbed and my, my, uh, my hometown of High Point North Carolina has 86,000 people in it I mean there's there's more people that have signed this petition to have Roger Goodell invoke this rule Mike Thomas is tweeting about it I, I mean I think that there's a large segment of them that feel like they absolutely got screwed and you mentioned you know if the mob was involved or it's a fail safe but the other part of this is it is a pretty vague Rule. Yeah. I mean, there there is no description of what is an extraordinarily unfair circumstance, so you can make it up as you go. And I would say a blatant pass interference call with under two minutes left in the fourth quarter of an NFC Championship game could absolutely qualify. Uh, and, and you know, you mentioned some reasons. I feel like a dog running on the field and tackling a player who's about to score a touchdown could be extraordinarily unfair. Like, there's a trillion things you could think of that would be absolutely crazy. Uh, but why wouldn't this qualify? I, I mean, I understand. I, I get what you're saying. And here's the actual rule. It says 
The commissioner has the sole authority to investigate and take appropriate disciplinary and or corrective measures if any club action, non-participant interference, or calamity occurs in the NFL game, which the commissioner deems so extraordinarily unfair or outside the accepted tactics encountered in professional football that such action has a major effect on the result of the game. And then it continues. The commissioner's power under this section to include the reversal of a game's result or the rescheduling of a game, either from the beginning or from the point at which, at which the extra, extraordinary act occurred. So you are technically correct. They could just reboot this bad boy right at the pass interference call. And I guess that kind of leads me to my next question. Cause look, this is not going to happen. Roger Goodell is not going to <laughs> like, like destroy. The, an LA franchise. He's not gonna, like, if anybody's getting buried, it's not the LA franchise, right? Like, with a, with a young head coach and the superstar, uh, quarterback, budding superstar quarterback and Jared Goff and the owner who has, um, you know, ponied up all this money and, and moved the team to LA and is building this giant stadium where the NFL network and NFL media are gonna be housed. If there was ever a team that is not going to be, like, Stan Kroenke ripped this team out of St. Louis and took them to LA all in the name of increasing the, the NFL revenue. Uh, he's not getting screwed by the commissioner in this case. This is a, hey, sorry, Sean Payton. I didn't really like you in the first place. Enjoy this one. It's a little bonus for Bounty Gate. Um, but should the NFL now, and Sean Payton mentioned this. He said after his press conference, he's like, look, I, and you were there, I'm on the competition committee. I'm going to have to look into this. Should the NFL, and the Washington Post has reported this, that they will do this, should the NFL look at pass interference and make it reviewable, yes or no? I mean, I think this one is the easiest question that anyone has asked me in the past 48 hours, and that is an absolute yes, they should look at it and review it. You know, the thing I wrote after the game was that they should review every single call, keep the two challenges, so if they just made it pass interference, that makes it even easier. There's no reason something like that should go uncalled, you know? So yeah. here is the thing is that you still get your two challenges. And if there's some ticky tacky pass interference call, a coach isn't going to challenge that because then he loses his challenge flag if the, they don't rule that it is a penalty. So I understand that the NFL does not want to make subjective penalties, uh, challengeable. But you do need to draw the line somewhere and be able to prevent something like this from happening. Yeah, I mean, my thing is that I, like, I would almost, I, I, here's my problem, is that the NFL, and they do this every time, and I probably yelled at this, yelled about this on Sunday night's, Monday morning's podcast, whenever people listen, but, it annoys me to know in that the NFL is consistently reactive instead of being proactive. And, if you didn't think that, like, you talked, you wrote a story about this. There was actually a game or, I mean, a rule that was changed before the playoffs. It was a very minor rule that was tweaked in order to make sure that the NFL didn't get bit in the rear uh, by something that happened in a playoff game and then ended up looking like morons. And so in that case, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, what you have is a situation you want to avoid that, right? So they should have, they should, they should have, gone out of their way to figure out how to make something like this a, an egregious pass interference call where the referee simply forgot to take the flag out of his pocket and simply just screwed up and didn't see it. They should have figured out a way to have a fail safe for that. And that's what, to me, what replay needs to be. It needs to be a fail safe to make sure that somebody isn't getting screwed. And I think there are multiple cases for them that I would identify that you could think about from these games. One, the pass interference call um, where Roby Coleman uh, Nickel Roby Coleman tackled Tommy Lee Lewis. Uh, two, I think you can include the Jared Goff face mask where he was going to the, and then the Saints ended up scoring, I mean, the Rams ended up scoring a touchdown, so it wasn't a huge deal, but Jared Goff had his face mask pulled at the, at the goal line as he was trying to run in. It would have been first and goal. And so I, th I it's perfectly fine to say, hey, why don't we put that under the scope of what is reviewable? Like if it's an egregious miss, if it's an obvious face mask that the Fox camera catches immediately, why shouldn't the rest be able to come in and say, whoa, 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 whoa. He yanked his face mask. We didn't see it. We were wrong. Uh, and then two cases in the Chiefs game. One, the Edelman play in the fumbled punt return where, or 
unfumbled punt return where he didn't touch it. Andy Reid, uh, excuse me, Bill Belichick had to challenge that. To me, that's another case where it's such a wild play that the NFL needs to just say, hold on a second. We're going to check this out on replay. Let's see what's going on. And then the other one was the, the, the pass, the roughing the passer call on Chris Jones when he's like slapped Brady's jersey and it was so clearly not a roughing the passer call, but it gets him 15 yards. To me, you see that instantaneously. Somebody needs to buzz in and say, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's check on that and make sure that we got that right because otherwise it can alter the outcome of an entire game. Well, I do agree with you that especially the Brady call that the, a coach needs to be able to challenge that and say, yo, that's not a penalty. We need to get that one wiped away. But I do not agree that refs should just make these ambiguous decisions. Like who's deciding what warrants – being reviewed because if you don't if you take the challenge system out of it and you're just saying hey replay guy you can just buzz down whenever you see something questionable we could have 10 stops in the first quarter one stop in the second quarter 11 stops in the third quarter and all of a sudden this three-hour game lasts seven hours nobody wants that you know so there's got to be some sort of limit uh you know like i like the idea there's got to be a limit of what can be done so the game we don't lose the flow of the game i i think they're going to make pass pass interference reviewable if they do it, do you want it to be universal where the, like, the NFL, the NFL has centralized replay and they handle it? Like, Al Riveron's got his feet up smoking a cigar in a dark room with the curtain drawn and he's like, ah, ha, 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 ah, the Patriots win again. Or, or do you want it to be where the coach has to challenge it in, in real time? Maybe you give the coaches a fourth challenge. Or say like you've got three full challenges, you've not two, win two, get, by the way, the win two and get an extra one is stupid. Well, what are we doing? Just give them three. Because if you miss the first one, I mean, I, I, like, get out of here. Like, what if you got a bad group of refs who screw up stuff the whole game? Um, and so it would have been incumbent on Sean Payton then to have his third challenge in his pocket when he was dealing with, um, you know, the, the, the end of the game situation. How would you want to see that handled? Oh, I absolutely want it challenges involved here i mean can you imagine mike tomlin hasn't won a challenge in like 10 years you know he's lost like 10 straight challenges i want to see that guy challenge a pass interference if marvin lewis gets rehired i want to see him challenge a pass interference (laughs) i want to see andy Reid challenge a pass interference like there are this adds another layer of thinking to what coaches have to do and so that means you probably won't see them challenge as often because of how subjective pass interference is they're probably not going to throw that challenge flag unless they see something like we saw in the Saints Rams game where Tommy Lewis just got obliterated. Uh, so I absolutely want it to be a challenge situation instead of going up to the replay booth and having uh, centralized Al River on handling that. <laughs> uh, I could see, I could see that. That would make sense. You don't uh, want it, do you? I want. I, I, here, I, my concern is like. The, the, the man, like the Wizard of Oz man behind the curtain situation. I, I think, I think that more re, like, my problem is, it's super annoying that some, like these NFL coaches who do this for a living, and this is all they do, we do this for a living, I mean, we do, you know, we have other, like, you know, we're not, I mean, like, we, we do this for a living, we know the rule books, fans pour over these rule books too, the, the NFL, like, coaches, it's their job, it's like their only job to know this, and I don't, I don't know if the refs know it. I don't know if the refs know what's challengeable. Like, I think when a coach throws his flag, the ref's like, hold on, let me find out if that's challenge. Like, like he's got to go in the back of, like he's a guy to counter it, like a returns department. He's like, hold on, let me go, let me go check to see if we had that in stock for you. Like, they have to know this and somehow they don't. And they're, they're like, ah, uh, you know, uh, Bill, I don't know if you can challenge that. And then they have to buzz up. It, that's my issue is, if you're going to make some stuff challengeable, make everything challengeable. Just let them, like, if you're going to give the coaches three challenges, let them challenge. If they think they got screwed, let them throw the flag. And if you give them three full challenges, and if they burn through three challenges in the first half on pass interference calls, good luck for the rest of the game. You don't have it, and you're probably too dumb, and you're probably going to get fired anyway. So I'd be fine with that, too, if we don't want to go to fully centralized replay. But at this point, it's super annoying that the NFL makes $11 billion and doesn't have like insane cameras on every single replay and every single situation. I mean, like it depends on the heightened importance of the game. Like we'll have a million cameras, goal line cams and zoom in cams for AFC championship game and Super Bowl. But like a random bits, uh, bits, Bills, Jets game, um, you know, it's not going to have, not going to have the full juice to it. And that, that bothers me. And, and you just mentioned cameras of the Super Bowl. Quick aside, you know, they're going to have 8K cameras. CBS is going to have some eight. I didn't even know 8K existed. 
Do you and think, they're going to have 8K cameras. Do you think that the 8K camera is worth – do you think one – what do you think CBS values more, one of us or one 8K camera? Oh, I mean, I have three people protecting that 8K camera. I don't walk around with th- three bodyguards paid for by CBS, so I guarantee you it's the 8K camera. <laughs> I would also value that more <laughs> yeah. uh, they're like, they're from like, a company standpoint. They're like, listen, uh, you've got to make a decision. You either throw this 8K camera off the Mercedes-Benz Dome or you throw Brinson off the Mercedes Benz, they're like, "Hey, Brinson, come here, buddy." Uh, you know what, Breach? Congrats! You got a daily podcast now. Get out of here, buddy! And shove me off the uh, the podcast in 8K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a podcast. The video podcast. You have a podcast in 8K. That's right. Uh, okay. The other big thing that everybody's talking about, and ironically, um, we bring it up now. Sean tried to bring it up on Sunday night's podcast, uh, re- really trying to ruin my game plan because I was going to talk about it today anyway. Overtime. Overtime, people are hot and bothered about overtime uh, in the wake of those games. Both of them went. You could have bet on both games to go to overtime. It got an 85-1 to 1 odds, which is really not that great for two games to go to overtime, if you think about the math there. I mean, consecutive games on NFC on Championship Sunday to go to overtime, I feel like you need 1,000-1 to 1 to bet that. Um, at any rate, the Saints-Rams uh, game went to overtime. Drew Brees gets the ball first. Everybody's thinking, all right, well, Ball, a coin don't lie. Breeze is going to march down the field. He's going to score. The Saints are going to win. Everything will be okay. Dante Fowler gets an arm in his face. Ryan says it wasn't a, a shot to the head. I say it is. That's fine. Breeze throws a duck up in the air. Uh, was it John, 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 John Johnson Jr. or something like that? He's like laying on his back, looking up at the sky after committing pass interference, and a ball falls on his chest. Rams get it. Greg the leg, as you predicted, Nostrabrechus, Bangs home a 57 yarder to, to set the record and, and to, uh, and to win the game. But then people got mad because the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes never touched the ball in overtime and they want to redo replay. What do you think they should do? Well, let me just say, as the child of a father who holds the NFL record for most overtime field goals without a miss, yeah. little Jim Breach shout out. Uh, I actually, I, I love, I loved sudden death overtime. I didn't think it really needed to be changed. And I feel like the change they made is only halfway. Like why, if you don't want to do sudden death overtime because you want to make it harder, why are you only making it so one team gets a possession? But the flip side of that is let's say that we're in an overtime world where Mahomes does get the ball and he goes down and scores a touchdown. So now it's back to a tie game. We're still in overtime. Then Brady goes down and scores again, and then the Patriots win. So now the Patriots still got an extra possession than the Chiefs, and they still win. You know, so what does it solve that you gave Mahomes or you give the other team a possession? So I think you either go back to sudden death or you create some world. If you're going to add it where both teams have to have possession, then you have to go for two on every possession over time. You need to throw in a different wrinkle that can make the game end. Otherwise, why change it? Yeah, I mean, I, people were like, well, let's go to the college overtime. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to see college overtime to decide. And this is not like, oh, the NFL is too good for college overtime or something like that. It just, I don't, college overtime feels collegey. Like, and, and I mean that in a, in a complimentary way. Like, I like college overtime and I think it's insane. But I think if you did, you wouldn't, the NFL doesn't want college overtime for, regular season games because regular season games are very important in the NFL. They are much more important in college. You can if you lose one regular season game, you may be out of the title hunt. Um, if you, uh, if you, you know, if you lose one regular season NFL game, you're just a team that loses one regular season NFL game. So I don't think they want to have these overtimes that end up with teams scoring 85 points. It's 85 to 81. Also that sucks for the over under. Because if you're betting under and it goes to overtime, you're totally screwed. Uh, and you don't know the spread is out of control and all crazy. Um, and so I don't think the NFL wants to deal with that. I do think I'd be fine with, in, if they wanted to do this. Well, the problem with the college thing, too, is if they did that, it would only be for the playoffs. And I don't think you can have that drastic a change for the playoffs. I wouldn't mind if they said, okay, here's playoff overtime. It's 15 minutes. We're going to flip a coin. Whoever gets the ball first. You know, you can, if you use up 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is, if you use that 10 minutes and you, and you're leading at the end of the 10 minutes, congratulations, you just won the game. But if somebody goes down and scores a touchdown in five minutes, they then kick off to the other team who has an opportunity, if they want to go score a touchdown and go for two to try and win the game. I just think they would bring, 
I, I don't, I do like the idea of both teams getting the ball and not depending on a, on a, on a coin flip, but I think it is total recency bias. We're just mad that Patrick Mahomes didn't get the ball. Like if, if Tom Brady doesn't convert one of those third downs and they punt and Patrick Mahomes gets it, or is anybody complaining about how overtime works? Well, here's the thing. I absolutely agree with what you just proposed because so you're saying that the NFL should just say, Overtime is a 15-minute quarter, and we're playing till the end of that 15 minutes. And, and whoever still- is leading, that's the end of the game. You know, there's no golden goal. There is no right. walk-off field goal, no sudden death, no touchdown wins it. And here's why I like that rule. Here's why the NFL should do that is because if you look at the four quarters, you look at an NFL game, you know when it's going to end. As a coach in your head, if you're in the fourth quarter, you can say, hey, I need this, I need to do this. All of a sudden, you're basically taking the timing element out yeah. in overtime when it's not out at any other point in the game. So you're kind of like changing the complexion of the game. It's like adding a new rule. Like we're going to use two footballs in overtime. That's almost what you're doing by uh, not let timing be a component. So, uh, yeah, so I, I think it makes absolute sense to just let that thing play out for one quarter and uh, let the winner be whoever's winning. Yeah, it's almost like when the Saints got the ball. And look, if you listen to what – the Saints player said, I think, uh, Diana Rossini pointed this out on ESPN earlier on, on Monday, but they basically, they were shook in overtime. Like they got to overtime and I mean, you probably noticed it. You could sense it almost coming out of the TV. I don't know how I'm, I'm sure the stadium was like, like, I mean, what it was loud, but it wasn't, it was almost like, you know, that shock of like, we were just, we were winning the game and like, they just took it from us. And everyone knows that like once zero line, once that first kick started going right, the 48-yarder to tie it in regulation, it started going right, and then it just cut back in and went straight down the middle. It was like, all right, the Rams are going to win this one. I don't know how. Like, I, Even if the Saints get the ball in overtime, the Rams are going to figure out a way to win it. Uh, and they did. I don't know. I just think that um, – I, I just – I I, understand, I get both sides of the – I get both sides of the overtime thing, but I don't want to totally – I don't want to, like, totally blow it up and make coaches learn something completely new. I like the idea of, hey, listen – it's just like a normal football game with an extra 15 minutes. Keep coaching the way you were. Run your game plan. And, and I think that would be more seamless and more fair because everybody would, in theory, get a shot. And look, if somebody, if you kick off to somebody in overtime and they get, and they would do a 15 minute, 75 pl- or se- like 15 play, 15 minute, 75 yard drive, you tip your cap and you move on. I mean, like you just got burned. Like that's just what you do. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and talk about the craziest things we saw on Sunday. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right. So, John Breed still in New Orleans. I don't, do, do, you know what's weird about podcasts, John? Is that, like, you don't have to reset. Like, you know, because like, like, if you do a radio show, you have to reset it, like, every, like, 30 minutes. You're like, live, this is the Big Six Podcast with John Breach here. We're talking to John Breach here. But, but, like, you don't do that in a podcast. And why would you? I don't, I don't know. I like the podcast format better. So, I don't know why I reset it. I don't know why I'm talking about it in the first place. At any rate. What was the – I don't know if it's the craziest thing because we already talked about the pass interference, but what was the most underrated crazy thing you saw? It can be like – like the, it, could, it doesn't have to be like a guy in a whistle costume. It can be you know the Patriots' conversions of third down, the Chiefs' ability to do something like that, anything. The most like underrated crazy storyline that you saw on Sunday in either game. Um, and well, I, I can go first if you don't have one prepared. Well, you can go ahead. I'll just say the craziest thing I saw not at the game was a blow-up doll, a naked blow-up doll of Jared Goff. I put out a picture of it on Twitter, Whoa. but like uh, there, somebody hung it up on a statue that had a spear, and the spear was in the blow-up doll's anus. Uh, it was what? Pure, pure New Orleans, uh, and maybe that is why the Saints lost. You can't go. Uh, you got to put use like a voodoo doll, not not a blow-up doll, right? I'm I'm looking for this right now. Oh my goodness, it was. Um, well, that's weird. So there's, it appears like it's next to a statue, right? Yeah, it's next to a statue. Yikes, that's kind of creepy. Like he's being killed, didn't he? 
He's kind of being molested, killed. I can't tell. He has no pants on. All right. He definitely doesn't have any pants on. It looks like the jersey is painted on him. Um, all right. I'll retweet that. Once we get done there's no podcast. there's no private part showing, right? It's fair. Yeah, it's really fair. Yeah. I think okay. It's, okay. Just making sure. Uh, what is this uh, bar partially owned by Drew Brees? What uh, what bar is that? I think it, it looks familiar. I love those Bourbon Street or like those New Orleans bars because they have those like long round patios. Um, I think the craziest thing. I think here's the craziest thing I saw, and you can play off this, and I got, I'll, I'll have some more for the Chiefs game. But I think that it really flew under the radar that, uh, it's that Sean McVay down 13 nothing with the ball on his own, like 25 or 30, did the exact same thing that Sean Payton did the, the week before against the Eagles. It ran a fake punt, and it worked to perfection. The Fox cameras were fooled. Sean Payton, the guy who ran the fake punt the week before, was fooled. The entire Saints team was fooled. The Rams got the first down, and it really was one of those things where, you know, you talk about one play changing the outcome of a game. It felt like that. I mean, I get that the DPI changed it later, but it felt like that re-energized a Rams team that was hurtling towards just – you know, not being able to get anything together. Am I, am I right or wrong about that? Oh, you're absolutely right. Okay, so the crowd in New Orleans was nuts. You heard everybody talk about that after the game. This was the loudest I've ever heard them. I think a lot of the Saints players were saying. And that, like, quieted them down for almost half a quarter. You are winning. And like you said, the Saints were in that same situation. How are the Saints not ready for that? Not only should they have not have been ready, but you're going against a punter who's like a de facto Pro Bowl quarterback. So you should have been double ready. I mean, there's no reason the Rams should have been able to pull off that fake punt at that point in the game. And that was definitely the, uh, that was a turning point. That was a turning point. Absolutely. Uh, and go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say sticking with the first half. Uh, I, I thought one of the, maybe not crazy, but shocking was just how bad Todd Gurley was. He was so bad, and it's totally overshadowed because, A, the Rams won, and, B, this whole pass interference thing. But you know, there was a reason he spent most of the time on the bench. He even said after the game, I was a sorry ass. McVay said, everybody's like, Sean McVay, why, why is your – this guy's the highest paid running back in the league. Why was he on the bench? And McVay's like, because – the game flow was better with C.J. Anderson in there. He's basically saying, I didn't want Todd Gurley in there without saying I didn't want Todd Gurley in there. Uh, and it, it, it felt, yeah. well, no, I was saying it felt like he was worried Todd Gurley might fumble or because he was hurt or like might do something wrong. But it definitely had, do you remember that, uh, the AFC, or maybe it was the divisional game where Rivers, I can't remember if it was the AFC championship in 2007 or the divisional game against the Colts. But it's like, I, all I remember is shots of LaDainian Tomlinson on the sideline in his giant puffy coat and his helmet on and that dark visor. And it's like, he's just not like, it's just like Gurley was just sort of wandering around and then he was getting on an exercise bike and then he would wander around some more. And it's like, like Fox kept going back to it, but they, they asked the Rams and Rams like, no, 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 he's fine. Nothing's wrong with him. It was like, what do you mean? Nothing's wrong with him. He's like, he was like mentioned in the MVP conversation a month ago. And now he's just not on the field. He's fine. And CJ Anderson, who weighs like two, like a deuce and a half is out there for, I mean, what the deuce, that's not a good enough explanation. Yeah. And he, you know, he had the pass that went through his hands. That was Goff's first and only interception. Yeah. And, and then he had another pass that went through his hands that might've gone for a touchdown, uh, it was a, he would have caught it at like the five yard line, so he'd only run it in like five more yards. It wasn't going to be a huge play, but still, it, it possibly would have been a touchdown. And I think that's what McVay saw. He said, "My God, this guy cannot catch a football today. I'm not even sure he can carry a football, so I'm not going to give him the ball anymore." And we really didn't see him in the second half. I know he showed up late in the fourth quarter, uh, but that was crazy to me that you have the highest paid running back in the league just sitting on the bench doing nothing. I'm with you on that one. I think another thing. That has to qualify as kind of crazy. And I don't, I honestly don't, we recorded the podcast so late and there was so much screaming about the whole, uh, Patrick Mahomes thing. But I think that one thing that qualifies as crazy for me, D Ford lining up offsides on a third and 10. Um, Tom Brady throws an interception on the play. And it hits, Brady rolls out, Brady hits, we all we talk about is how great Brady was. Brady hits Gronk in the hands and it 
pops up in the air and lands in the Chiefs player's hands. He runs. He's going to the sidelines. He fumbles. The ball's out of bounds, but it's clearly clear. I mean, it was definitely going to be reviewed. Did he definitely have possession? Did he make a football move? I think he did. We're about to find out. Romo's like, oh, what, you know, what, what sort of, you know, Tony Romo's like, what sort of, uh, oh no, Jim. Oh no, it could be offsides. Oh, Jim, this is going to hurt. And then D Ford is there and Andy Reid points out, you know, after the game, he's like, look, that happens a lot. And they get warnings. You know, he wasn't really off sides. Like he didn't jump. His hand was in the neutral zone. And technically you can call it. But I mean, I, look, I get why you called it, but that is a dagger. D Ford wasn't even near Brady on the play. He was being double teamed the whole time. And if his hand is like uh, six inches backwards, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl right now. Yeah. That, I mean, that was just crazy. And that was, I know there was some talk that, you know, because he didn't jump. He lined up offsides, which is a huge difference because sometimes a ref will kind of note, they'll wave their hand and, hey, scoot back. They'll give you a warning. And, you know, maybe D Ford had lined up a few times early in the game. I don't know. I didn't watch it. He got that warning. Uh, but so I think some Chiefs fans were mad that he didn't get that because that is something that sometimes happens if a defensive player is lining up in the neutral zone, the ref will give them a heads up as a courtesy once or twice, but then if they do it again, they'll throw the flag. So, uh, you know, that was interesting. But, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that, that that's a mistake you make on the first practice of training camp, not in the AFC championship and overtime. Or is that overtime? It was, the, it, no, it, was, it was regulation because the Chiefs. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. Well, and like again, I mentioned this on the podcast. I had the Chiefs plus three and a half, and the Chiefs minus three and a half uh, that I took before the game. And so it's like fourteen nothing at halftime. You're like, all right, you know, this is, this is the first one's a loser. Maybe I get the second one. Then all of a sudden, like the Chiefs are up four and having an interception. You're like, I'm getting them both. I'm getting them both. And then D Ford. Yeah, it was a regulation. The Chiefs were up four. It was to win the game and go to the Super Bowl, beat the Patriots, and, and face off against the Rams again. It would have been – man. And I'll throw another crazy thing from the Saints-Rams game is that the fact that the Rams tried a 57-yard field goal, I think that's also – everything's being overshadowed by this pass interference. Yeah. A 57-yard field goal to send your team to the Super Bowl is – insane that is a kick that some coaches in the nfl wouldn't even try in a regular season overtime game let alone with the nfc title on the line because if you miss that if greg zerline misses that kick the saints get the ball at the 47 yard line needing about 15 yards to get their own field goal and win the game so you're having a lot of faith in your kicker zerline's 50 50 he's got a strong leg zerline could probably make it from 70 but once he gets outside 50, his stats are 50-50. And if you're indoors, probably goes up a little higher, maybe 60, 65%. But no matter what the percentages are, it's not a high percentage kick. So the fact that they did that, McVeigh could have punted there. Yeah. Hit the Saints down at the two-yard line. And that wouldn't have been crazy. You cannot blame someone for passing up a 57-yard field goal. Uh, so he showed a lot of faith in his kicker, and uh, Zerline nailed it. And that thing would have been good for like 70. Yeah, it was. it was good. Yeah, there was no, uh, there was no chance it was not going to be good. I will, uh, the other thing that I thought was, this was pointed out to me by friend of the program, Adam Gold, who is a, uh, a radio host at 999, the fan in Raleigh, a good friend of mine, uh, and a podcast listener. And, um, although he didn't, I told him not to listen to Monday's show because it's not very good. Um, again, apologies to Monday's show, but, uh, I, I do, should I feel this bad about it? It's probably fine, right? Man, I'm happy that I only talked for like five of the, minutes out of the hour of that show I, I feel no guilt but yeah it was as someone as the third you were like that, you were quiet and watching you're like <laughs> i mean it was kind of it was kind of annoying right in my head i'm making the sign you know the slice sign with your neck like you guys need to cut this uh, uh we need to move on to something else but no that thing was not any you guys were hell-bent on having your discussion yeah well i then i looked i looked at the clock at 12 30 i was like oh my god i should like if i if if this were just if if it were like if everybody were as equally invested as like, like at 12, 20 minutes in, I was like, we should have reset this whole podcast. And then I was like, I can't do that and expect these three guys to like stay on the, like, all right guys, hold on. We're just going to restart and not talk about Patrick Mahomes at any rate. Well, especially poor Wilson, who was up like two hours past his bedtime as it was. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I slept in, I, my wife let me sleep in, which was very nice of her. Um, but I was up till 3am writing, sorting the Sunday pile. I wrote about nine crazy things. You should go check that out. But gold had a really good point on this one. Um, 
So I was looking at it. Remember we talked about the <laughs> remember this Patrick Mahomes misses Damian Williams down the field, right? And then two plays later he takes the sack and the Chiefs have to punt and the Patriots get the ball uh with two no, excuse me, with uh 3:08 left in the second quarter and they're up 7 nothing. But it feels like the Patriots are up t- like 28 to nothing because they've just dominated the Chiefs up to this point. They run Sony Michelle once. They run Sony Michelle a second time and get a first down, but the clock goes to the two-minute warning. So they come out of the two-minute warning. They run Sony Michelle again. He gets one yard. The clock gets down to a minute 19, and they run Sony Michelle again for five yards. So now it is third and four, and Belichick's not doing anything. He's not, he's not hurrying up his team. He's slowing it down. He's slowing it down. And all of a sudden, Andy Reid sprints out and calls timeout. And it was like, and Gold pointed out, and I need to go back and look, but like, he thinks Belichick baited Andy Reid into calling that timeout. And I think he might be right, because as soon as he called that timeout, the Patriots immediately pass the ball. They don't run the ball and kick it to him. They pass the ball, they get the first down, then Tom Brady hits James White for 30 yards, they call their first timeout, James White goes nine yards, and then the next play is the shot down the field to Philip Dorsett for a touchdown, and the Patriots are up 14 nothing. Belichick goes to halftime with one of his timeouts, but it did, like, looking back on it, rewatching it, it looked like he psyched Andy Reid into giving him free time for whatever reason, or like, or just flipping the tables on him. And I do think if you're Andy Reid, I'm not saying Andy Reid mismanaged it really badly, but dude, take your medicine. Your team is down seven nothing and you play the worst half by far of your season. Take your medicine, go to halftime down seven nothing, get the ball back, don't get greedy at the end of the first half. Agree or disagree? Uh I I, I agree. I you know, I was telling you I tried to go back and watch some of that first half today, and that was definitely an interesting sequence at the end of that, because it did feel like Bill Belichick had conceded, Hey, this is over, we're good. We're, if Sony Michelle breaks one off here, then maybe we'll keep going, but if not, we'll just go. We shut the Chiefs out in the first half. We are happy. We are up 7 nothing. I don't need anything else. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and then Andy Reid, classic Andy Reid. We were all waiting for it last week. It didn't happen. The classic Andy Reid meltdown where he just throws all his decision-making abilities out the window or he psychs himself out. It's something. And, uh, you know, it, I could certainly – you could argue that that happened because there was no reason. And maybe Reid was so desperate to get some points in the first half. Maybe that's what it was because mm-hmm. he's saying – Maybe he was embarrassed that his high-powered offense didn't put up any points, but it was a little weird that in that situation, because it was only going to be third down. It's not like he was calling a timeout before fourth down. There's third and, and four. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like it was uh, third and 14, like something they definitely were – you run a draw play and then you punt. Uh, no, it's third and four. Very convertible, and so it was a little surprising to see redo that. Um, all right. Anything, what else stood out as crazy that we didn't mention? Um, I was surprised that they didn't call the, uh, oh yeah. Did we talk about the last possession with whether the Chiefs should take a shot or not? I think we did, right? Like with 11 seconds left, did you think Andy Reid should have taken another shot? Yes or no? Uh, yes. I think if you trust your quarterback, that's a totally, do you trust your quarterback Mm -hmm. decision? Because if he takes a sack, it's game over. Uh, if he throws it to someone inbounds, it's game over. So there's a lot of situations where it's game over. You have to just have complete and total faith that your quarterback will make the right decision. And with Patrick Mahomes, he's proven all year that he does that and that he's smart and that he would make the right decision. You throw it away if there's nothing. You throw away it immediately so you don't lose the field goal. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely thought – I wasn't even sure I liked the timeout sequence on that drive either. That was also – a, a weird drive. So yeah, I, should, I thought they should have taken another shot. Yeah, and you know, because he burned the first twenty seconds off the clock. Like it went from fifty nine to thirty when he could he should have saved some more. He should have like, or he could have used his time out there and then gone like and then run another play and then spiked it. It wasn't or like he didn't. Yeah, it just felt like he didn't use his timeouts exactly the way he wanted. I mean, ultimately, look. I mean, not, I'm not saying Sean is right about why the Chiefs lost. I mean, they they lost because their defense couldn't stop the Patriots on third down. I mean, they didn't lose in the. I don't know that they lost in the first half because of their defense. They were down seven nothing. You know, I mean, considering how bad the offense played to only be down seven nothing, that's a that's a win. You pick off Brady in the end zone on the one yard. That, by the way, how we didn't even that just like flies under the radar. Tom Brady threw an interception from the one yard line. I I don't know when I've ever seen that before. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the pass interference that overshadowed everything in the Rams 
Saints game and this game, there was just so many, so much craziness late in the game that some of that stuff early on got overshadowed. This could have been 21 to nothing at halftime. Uh, if he doesn't throw that interception. So it was interesting. But as for the, the, the late stuff with the Chiefs, on their touchdown drive, so they were down 24 to 21, and they drive down, and they have first and goal at the two-yard line, right? And they snapped the ball with like 207 left or something in the fourth quarter. Did you think don't score on the first play or don't like – I, I would almost kneel the ball. You make yeah, the Patriots yeah, use their yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, worst yeah, case, yeah, yeah. worst case scenario, you have a 21 yard field goal to tie the game at 24. And I know obviously you want to get the touchdown. You want to be leading, but you're giving the ball back to the Patriots with two minutes and three mm-hmm. seconds left. They have all their, like, make them use their timeouts. Something. Dive, like dive at the one. Or yeah, like quarterback, yeah. quarterback dive and then like roll forward. I'm with you. Like, you don't want to not score, but like, what would Bill Belichick have done there? Does he score immediately? I don't think he does. No, I, I don't think so either. And I, I like, I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick had the defense let the Chiefs score there, just so the Patriots could get the ball back. And let me just say that if I'm Andy Reid, I score as quickly as possible against nearly every single team except, in the NFL except. in that situation, but against the Patriots. I am milking as many seconds off the clock as I can. Right, because in theory, at that point in time, the Patriots would have had um, – how many timeouts would they have had? Uh, they had all three. They had all three of their timeouts. So at least make them use one of them, right? I mean, like at least make them burn uh, – are you sure they had all three? Maybe. Thanks. Sure, why not? Um, trying to see. Timeout. They called timeout number one. Before the Butker field goal to send it to overtime. Yeah, so they had all three of their timeouts. You're right. Um, yeah. I mean, like, they, I mean, yeah, if you're the, if you're the, if you're the, if you're the Chiefs, you, Damian Williams goes up the middle for two yards at 206. At least get past the two minute warning. Yes. Right? Yes. Although did, yes. Did, did I, I actually you know what? Butker, Butker's kick and Corderell Patterson's 38 yard return got them past the two minute warning, but like, so that didn't actually, that didn't actually hurt them, but like, you, man, they didn't even need the timeout. They didn't even use their timeouts. Casey, they didn't even use a timeout on the whole drive. That's crazy. But, but if you had put them in a position where they at least had to, like, hustle up because of, because there's minimal time left, I mean, make a burn the timeout so you can run it down to a minute, you know, or, or do whatever you can do. Just, I, I don't know. I'm with you. I think, I think in that spot, it's a good idea to get as little time left on the clock. All right. Let's run through a couple of headlines and we'll get out of here. You can go, uh, do whatever it is you're going to do late night. And where you, do you know where you're going? Do we, oh, you're going to go try to go to Koshan and, um, parade around Bourbon Street, maybe little Bourbon Street. I got to see how sad the Saints fans are. I feel like. In New Orleans, this is the kind of town where you drown your sorrows for 48 straight hours. So, mm. I'm with you. I'm going to go cry. What did you make of uh, Gail Benson's statement? She released a statement complaining about the uh, the no call, saying thir- she's thoroughly disappointed and that she basically called the NFL um, a bunch of cheaters. I mean, that you don't have an NFL owner come out and just rip the NFL like that. And she did it in the friendliest way possible. Yeah, it's like the Southern thing where you say, like, you're like, bless your heart. It's like what you really mean is F your face. But, like, you're saying, like, bless your heart. That's what Southerners do. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. And that's exactly what she did. There's this, uh, okay, yeah, this, this, this NFL is nice. But then, boom, uh we got screwed and you guys need to do something about it. And she just threw the NFL under the bus, which she has all the right. And my favorite part of this is what I wrote about is that after saying the saints got screwed, she said the NFL needs to commit itself to providing more fairness and integrity. And the fact that she used integrity, that's like Roger Goodell's mm-hmm. motto. Like the NFL is all about integrity. Uh, we can't embrace gambling. Right. This is Roger Goodell two years ago because it might, affect the integrity of the game. So he is just all about the integrity of the game. And so for her to kind of take his own words and throw them in his face tells you how upset she is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she said the Saints were unfairly deprived of a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And that is as vicious as you're going to hear an owner 
talk about the NFL. It's just, this never happens. Yeah. Find the lie, though. Find the lie here. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. You're, uh, you're working the John Breach beat of, uh, handling all the, all referees. Uh, tell me, who is the Super Bowl referee and why does it matter? Well, you know, it's funny is we have John Perry. Yeah. John Perry is the Super Bowl referee. P-A-R-R-Y, and so. P-A-R-R-Y, not P-E-R-R-Y, as some might think. And we spent this entire week leading up to the NFC title game. The Rams fans starting the petition because they were 0-8 with Bill Venevich. And then, obviously, uh, Venevich definitely did not end up screwing them over. It was, in fact, the opposite. Right. With John Perry, there is no 0-8 record to worry about because the Rams have never lost a game that John Perry has officiated. They are 7 0 and the Patriots aren't bad either. They're 9-5. and five. But if you're a Rams fan, all of a sudden, hey, we're undefeated with this guy. I feel pretty good about that. That's a pretty crazy stat. Like, how could one team be undefeated with the same referee? I mean, like, where, where, you know, it makes you wonder, like, where is he from? Because, look, people can say they don't have bias all they want. All human beings have bias. Like, where is this guy from? Is he from St. Louis? Is he from Los Angeles? Uh, you know, is he a cousin of, uh, Stan Kroenke? Like, a distant, very distant, like, 18th cousin looking to get rich. Why are the Rams 7 and 0 under John Perry? It, it, it's kind of wild, right? Uh, absolutely. It, the thing is, like, I saw a few tweets. People were getting crazy with the officiating stuff. That sure. The fact the Rams started the petition with Venovich and being 0-8, there's, like, a psychological element to that. Like, if he's aware of that, all of a sudden, maybe in the back of his head, he doesn't want to think he's screwing them over anymore. Uh, and, and that's not just something you see in football. It's something you see in all parts of life is you put something out. Hey, you've been screwing us over a lot. Maybe stop playing favorites. And in your head, you're like, well, I'm not doing that. But then you think about it, and you're like, well, maybe they have a small point because they never win. And so it's just, it is a very odd dynamic. And, uh, yeah, the Rams don't have to worry about that this week for the Super Bowl, though, since they're 7-0 and with Perry. Man, um, so just looking at this, this guy is a flag hog. Although he's cooled down a little bit, it looks like, in recent years. Uh, but, I mean, like, he has one, two, three, four. I mean, I'm counting, John, I'm counting, like, this guy's got like 30 games with 10 digit penalties just for one side. This guy is a, this guy is a freaking animal when it comes to throwing these flags. It doesn't look like, it looks like he's cooled down in 2018, but he was the head ref in the Eagles Texans game earlier this year, uh, when there were a combined 21 penalties for 166 yards. This is how we dig in and find some over under value. Um, oh man, he was the ref for the, uh, Steelers. Oh, John, here it is. He was, you said the, the Patriots are 0-1, but in that, in that Steelers-Patriots game, the Patriots had, or the Steelers had 14 penalties for 106 yards, Patriots had 4 for 40. Hmm. Interesting. This guy's a penalty machine, man. Just hey, that means the game's gonna last four and a half hours. That means more ads to sell for CBS. Alright, works for me. Does that mean over or under hits, then you think? Penalties help you uh, over, right? I don't know, that Patriots-Steelers game was under. Yeah, it was. Actually, I think, way, way under. I think penalties help the under because penalties mean more first downs, which mean longer sustained drives. So even though yeah, you're like, kind of wreck the flow of the game too. Yeah. If, if there's too many. Interesting. All right. Well, that's worth noting. We're going to dig into that a little bit more. Uh, but John's got to go dig into Bourbon Street. I'm going to take the rest of his shift. Um, just no, no for the bosses who are listening to this whole podcast. John, anything you want to plug or promote, uh, at the end of the show? I don't know why you would have anything, but if you have anything, go for it. Well, I would say just follow me on Twitter because we're going to be in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. And my favorite thing, I used to live in Atlanta. I know all the cool spots, even though I lived there 10 years ago, so they're probably not cool anymore. But So I'm going to take pictures of everything and uh, probably share them on Twitter. Blow up dolls with Jared Goff jerseys. I'm going to look for more. I might even bring my own. Uh, no, that sounds a little weird, so maybe I won't. I wouldn't do that. Uh, TSA, yeah, well, yeah. TSA's not checking. TSA's not looking at all, so you can bring bring whatever you want. Uh, John and I will do our annual tour around the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, trying to get tweets out before Darren Ravel can do it about the uh, concession, the various concessions that are available at the Super Bowl. Um, so make sure to tune into that. Maybe we'll do like a Facebook Live or, or a Periscope or something from that. Um, anyway, uh, follow him on Twitter at John Breach. Subscribe, listen, rate, review. Thanks for popping on, Breach. Always a pleasure, buddy. No problem.